Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. This week we're going to look at a case from the 90s which I actually hadn't heard of until one of our listeners suggested we did this. So I... Thanks Martin. (laughs) Yeah, thank you Martin. But I actually don't know, I didn't know anything. So this week we are going to look into the disappearance of Arlene Fraser. Samantha, do you know anything about this? Seeing as you didn't have her name right, I'm assuming not. <laughs> no, I don't know anything okay, about well, this case. You don't know? <laughs> stop, don't know anything. Yep. Um, but right, okay, well, that's good then. So sit back, here we go. So we're going way back to the, ni- uh, to the 90s, yeah. So 1998 is when this all began. So Arlene Fraser was a 33-year-old woman from Elgin, which is in Moray, Scotland. So that's way, I've way... Been there. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Way, way into the Campbell Highlands. Soup. Um, is that not where the Campbell Soup factory is? I don't know. I think I've been there. Moving on. <laughs> so Arlene lived in a bungalow with her two children, Jamie and Natalie, um, who she shared with her husband, Nat, but she'd split with him recently. Um, I don't think things were good between them, and obviously I'll go on to tell you more about that later on. But on the 28th of April, 1998... It was like any ordinary day for Arlene and she waved her children off to school and after they'd went to school, she wasn't there when they got home, basically. She just completely vanished and nobody had seen or heard from her. Obviously, back in 1998, it's not as easy to check in with people. You can't check in when they were last active on social media. You can't check in, like phone them as easy, you know. So nobody had seen or heard from her and the Grampian police began searching the area but shortly after admitted that they were baffled by this as there was nothing. There was no evidence. There was no trace that she had ran away. There was no trace that anything had happened to her. She just It was like she just completely disappeared off the face of the earth. So a major search was launched that day. When her friends and family began finding out about this, they said that that's not something she would do. She wouldn't just pack up and leave her children. And I think you hear that a lot when mums go missing, they just wouldn't leave their kids or they had, nobody had any reason to believe that she would just up and go mm-hmm. so this search goes on and on and six months later on the 27th of October the senior detective investigating this disappearance says that he believed that Arlene Fraser was dead he confirmed that like they had they don't have a body they still have no evidence but he's believed look I've done this a long time and she I believe is deceased um the detective chief inspector, who was called Peter Simpson, said the officers found absolutely no evidence that she was alive. There'd been no recent activity on anything. Nobody had seen her. There'd been no sightings. She hadn't contacted anybody. So they had nothing to prove that she was even around, you know. Mm-hmm. So police had the fear that she was dead. Nothing really happens, which I think is why this case isn't as spoke about, because the main part of this case is a trial. Like, there is no evidence found. Like, there's hardly anything around. Do you know what I mean? It's quite, like, research into it was really, really difficult because she just completely disappeared, which I think actually makes this one of the scariest cases we've looked at because I'm like, how does somebody just disappear? Mm-hmm. Well, it's you know like when I mean? you just said, um, you said she disappeared, and then you were like, six months later, I was like, what? There's, like, nothing, there's nothing. between that? No evidence? And especially no, like... places like Elgin, you can disappear in Edinburgh. 
mm-hmm. it's a huge place. But Elgin, everybody knows each other. It's a small place. And, like, she just disappeared. And that's what they're saying. There's no trace of anything. But a year later, so we're now talking October 1999, is when things start to happen. So she's been missing for a year, over a year. And this is when we start to actually look. So nobody's been charged. There's no suspects up until this point. There is no evidence. There is nothing. So her ex-husband, husband, but the husband she was split from, Nat Fraser, is currently on bail for an assault he made on Arlene previously. Um, obviously, this happened when she was still around and while they had been split at the time. So in March 2000, he's actually jailed for 18 months for assaulting her, um, who by this point he's jailed. She's been missing for almost two years. But he is sentenced to the High Court in Edinburgh after admitting a reduced charge of compressing his wife Arlene's neck to the danger of her life. So he tried to kill Bloody her. Bloody hell. Yeah, he tried to kill her. I don't think it was long before she went missing. So obviously, this is flag number Red one. Red flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, he's already <laughs> tried to kill her, but obviously there's no evidence. There's nothing they can really do here. Um, He was released from prison in April 2001 after serving half of his sentence. But he was jailed again like four months later. So he went away to jail and I think it was like the August time, um, for admitting to lying to receive almost £19,000 in legal aid funding. I don't know oh, wow. how long he was put... Yeah, I don't know how long he was put in jail for, but obviously with him in jail, it gives them time to look into him. And they kind of... Mm-hmm. Do you know, he's in jail for assaulting his wife. And his wife is now missing. Like, I'm not a detective. I just do a podcast, but... <laughs> That seems like pretty good reasons to look into somebody. Now, they were planning to charge him with diverting the course of justice due to him lying about a beige Ford Fiesta they were looking into. Now, I have searched for ages and I cannot find out what they thought about this beige Ford Fiesta. I don't know if it's maybe suspicious. I don't know, but I cannot find out why they wanted to look into this Ford Fiesta. But this is one of the main pieces of evidence in this case. Now, this beige Ford Fiesta was purchased by one of his friends, Hector Dick, who <laughs> would also be facing the same charges of perverting the course of justice because he also lied. He was obviously, that's obviously easier to charge him because he said he had nothing to do with Ford Fiesta. Then they found out he bought it. Like, I wouldn't forget buying a Ford Fiesta. Um, no. So Dick was due to appear in Elgin Sheriff Court in August 2000. However, the case was delayed at the request of the defence. It was moved. And eventually it was heard at Dingwall Sheriff Court at the start of 2001. So on the fourth day of this trial, Dick changed his plea and pled guilty to a slight, like a slightly lesser charge. I didn't say what, but I don't, I think it was obviously like something to do with that. Um, And he basically was jailed for a year. Now, while he was in jail for a year for perverting the course of justice, basically, he attempted to commit suicide by hanging himself in his cell. Now, if I hadn't done anything wrong and I was in jail for a year for basically not telling the police correct information, I wouldn't try and kill myself. No. I guess, like, depending on your, you know, mental health, but, like, yeah, if it's yeah, a year I'm, and you're yeah. innocent, you'd try and fight it, surely. Or you'd have people to fight it for or you. Or, you know, or, yeah, or you're getting out. <laughs> like, they're mm-hmm. not saying he murdered anybody. They're not saying no. it was a serious crime that's going to affect his life. And you know, like, if you've got a year in jail, you're probably going to get a reduced sentence mm-hmm. anyway. You'll be out in, what, a week? Mm-hmm. 
Well. Exactly. So that's the thing. Like, I yeah, don't know. it's a bit of a red flag. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Yeah. Like when I first read it, I don't know if I was like, maybe just because I knew he had something to do with it. I was just a bit like, hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So the police have obviously got the two of these guys currently in jail for preventing the course of justice. But in June 2001, a third man comes into the picture. So this is Glenn Lucas. Again, and I don't know if it's because this case was, you know, 20 odd years ago. All I know that he was a businessman that also attempted to pervert the course of justice in relation to this case. I cannot tell you what for. Mm -hmm. It was something, I think, linked to the Ford Fiesta again. But I cannot tell you what it was regarding this. Um... But he was also charged with this. I don't know if he went to jail for this. I can't find out. But basically, Glenn is only going to be in this story for a little while. He then disappears. But on the 26th of April 2002, it was announced by the Crown Office that Nat Fraser, Hector Dick and Glenn Lucas were all indicated for the murder of Arlene Fraser. And each of them were charged with conspiring to murder. Oh, I think they were all pals, like friends. Well, Fraser and Dick were definitely friends, but Lucas, they just keep referring to him as a businessman. and Like a hitman more than Yeah, well, you'll see in the next wee bit, because they were charged with murder and attempting to defeat the ends of justice. But during it, so, yeah, when I start the trial, you'll understand why I don't really have a lot to say about Lucas, because he literally disappears. So, basically, the trial begins in January 2003. So, during the trial, it was announced that the Crown would not be proceeding with the charges against Dick or Lucas. So, Lucas's charges dropped and he's off. And that's it. That's all I have to say on him. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Part of me thinks, did they maybe buy the Ford Fiesta from him? And they've gone to him and said, like, hey, did these guys buy a Ford Fiesta from you? And he's maybe went, like, no. That's Mm -hmm. the only connection I can think. But like listeners if I'm wrong like please let me know because I, I generally have searched like all week for this information I can't find it mm-hmm. so, maybe he's got enough money to like you know get yourself out there off the, off the internet well there's some people yeah, people do that black like market that. and all that yeah I was gonna say I remember reading about that once there was something in China or that, anyway sorry um so basically drop all the charges against both Dick and Lucas because the prosecution is going to use Dick as a witness against Nat Fraser. Holy moly, that turns. So they basically can't use him as a witness if he's up, obviously, for murder. Yeah. I will witness to my own murder, but I'm yeah. not guilty. I'm pretty not guilty, but I was there and I saw it. Yeah. Um, which, to be honest, that, that guy is involved. He's struck lucky. Because yeah. he's off. He's not getting done as long as he's a witness. Mm-hmm. So the trial's obviously then adjourned. Um, as the judge who was called Lord Mackay explained that obviously there'd have to be a delay because the defence team have a right to interview Dick and Lucas if they want to but they never do um, which obviously can't be done while the two men are still facing charges so everything's adjourned they drop their charges um, and Dick then appears as a witness for the prosecution and admits to burning and crushing the Ford Fiesta police had been looking for because he feared that no. it might be linked to the disappearance of Arlene Fraser Wait, so Dick done that? Yes. So, he claimed in evidence that Fraser had told him he had arranged for his wife to be killed and then he disposed of her body 
by grinding it up and burying it. Oof. So, he believes, I believe, sorry, I think it was Dexford Fiesta, and I think Nat has used it to dispose of this body. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, if you thought I'd used your car to get rid of a body, you'd probably be like, Here's that again. I'm going to get rid of that. But obviously, he's just panicked. So I then don't know if Lucas was the hitman, as you said, or something to the Ford Fiesta. But yeah, so he didn't say that Nat killed him, uh, killed her himself. He said he's arranged for his wife to be killed. Um, But obviously, in court, Dick completely denies any involvement at all in the disappearance of Eileen. Now, the trial progressed and the Crown dropped three charges of attempting to defeat the ends of justice against him, leaving him to face a sole charge of murder with others unknown. So, basically, Nat Fraser had lodged a special defence of alibi, claiming that he was carrying out deliveries for his fruit and vegetable business on that day when his wife vanished, a claim that was supported by an employee who was with him on the day. So someone was like, yeah, I was actually with him all day, but, you know, we've done so many cases where people people do weird things, like people will kill someone and then leave them all day, then go back and destroy oh, yeah. the body later. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like you have to kill them, or, you know, and also, he's got an alibi, but no one's saying that he killed her. People, you know, Dick saying that he was planning on getting her killed. So if you're getting someone to do it for you, you don't have to be anywhere. No, you've got an alibi. Well, exactly. You can go out all day. You've got your alibi, but you know she's still getting murdered. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So on, um, yeah, on the 29th of January 2003, Nat Fraser was found guilty of the murder of his wife, which is mental because there's no body. There is no evidence against him. Mm-hmm. It is basically based on, in my eyes, Dick's witness statement. God, that is crazy. And, like, it, based on one person's witness statement, he mm-hmm. has an alibi, mm-hmm. there's no body, mm-hmm. and the person that he might have fought to kill him, kill her, mm-hmm. is either been in court and gone, or mm-hmm. is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this is going to get so much more interesting, like, honestly. So, Judge Lord Mackay, again, described the 44-year-old as evil before sentencing him to life imprisonment with a recommendation to serve a minimum of 25 years. Now, when this read out, like, Fraser, like, collapsed in court and, like, immediately his defence team started an intention to appeal. So the case was actually described as the largest investigation Grampian police had ever carried out, but the absence of a body and forensic evidence always hampered the inquiry, which... Of course it did. Like, I am... Like, there is no evidence against him. Nothing. That is crazy. It is. It's mad. So, obviously, as I said, appealing. So, he was sentenced in January. The first appeal is lodged in December. So, like, that's quite quick. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, because they're having to build something. They can't just be like, okay, we don't think he did it. They have to have a reason why they're appealing. Yeah. So, in December 2003... They lodged this appeal, and in the May the following year, the Court of Appeal granted leave for him to do so. So they grant him leave to go and work on his appeal. On the 9th of October 2005, the BBC broadcast Arlene Fraser murder trial, the missing evidence, which claimed that Dick had lied during the trial. So the following year, in March, so we're now in 2006, 
Two inquiries were announced after claims that relevant evidence was not made available to the original trial. So the Lord, I don't know what this is 100%, right? So the Lord Advocate, who was called Colin Boyd, stated that it was a matter of serious concern that the information had not been given to lawyers for Fraser. So I think the prosecution had it, but the defence didn't. Right. So the Crown Office basically said, like, this, um, well, a statement actually said, like, the Lord Advocate regards it as a matter of serious concern that this evidence was not made available to the defence prior for the trial. For that reason, the area um, procurator fiscal, I can never say that word, um, for Glasgow, who was called Catherine Dyer, has now been asked to conduct a full investigation into this matter. So the Grampian Police asked the Association of Chief Police Officers in Scotland to investigate its handling of relevant information and evidence. And the inquiry was to be carried out by a team from Strathclyde, uh, Strathclyde Police, headed by Ricky Gray, who was the Deputy Chief Constable. Now, in May 2006, Fraser released from prison, pending the outcome of his appeal. So yes, um, he was granted leave to work on his appeal, but he didn't get the leave until May 2006. Okay. So right. that's what that means. So he's released in May 2006. Um, shortly after, though, fresh allegations about the case appear in the press, prompting Arlene's family to call for Fraser to be returned to prison. Though this didn't happen. The court said, like, no, he's out and he's working on his appeal. The case went to appeal in November 2007. So this is nearly 10 years after she went missing, with claims that the prosecution in the original case had withheld evidence and that police officers had actually lied. Which police is a huge lying. thing, yeah. <laughs> Not the police, but no. yeah, like they actually like. But to accuse a police officer of lying—that's that's that's a big statement. You don't just kind of go like, "Oh, the police lie." Like to say the police is lying is a big statement. Oh yeah. So in early December, Fraser was returned to prison pending the outcome of his appeal, which was announced on the sixth of May two thousand and eight. So that is us over ten years since she's missing. The Lord Justice Clerk, who was Lord uh, Jill, sitting with Lord Osborne and Lord Johnston, refused the appeal. They refuse it? Yeah, which still, that. no, 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 like, I was the same. I was generally, I thought he was, like, going to be out and about. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so, they still have no evidence. They have no body. They have this whole case that's built up, saying that the police are lying, wow. They've got, you know, they've got the ACPOS looking into it, all this stuff, and it still gets declined. So there must be something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there has so, to be something. So as he's led from court, I think he was, like, I think Nat Fraser was a lot more calm this time and actually just kind of basically said, like, the fight's going to go on and I'm going to keep fighting to get the truth. In October that year, so October 2008... He announces that he intended to apply for leave to appeal to the Privy Council in London um, and asked for the hearing to take place in the High Court in Edinburgh. Leave to appeal at the Privy Council was refused. So he appeals, well, a further appeal in November 2009 contended that earlier appeal hearings were not fair under human rights legislation. That appeal was also refused in January 2010. So he's basically ran out of like routes to appeal to the Scottish courts. And in May 2010, Fraser announced an intention to appeal in the Supreme Court in London, having been given special leave to do so. So he has given his leave and he's now going to take this down to London. So this is a wee, like, small town missing woman from Elgin. And this court is now, like, like this is now going to the court in London. That is big. And there's still no mm-hmm. bodies. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. So in May 2011, 
Nat Fraser wins his appeal. Allowing it, the Supreme Court judges said in their deliberations, the Supreme Court unanimously allows the appeal. It remits the case to a differently constituted appeal court to consider whether to grant authority for a new prosecution and then, having considered that point, to quash the conviction. So the Crown Office immediately said it would seek to bring fresh proceedings against Fraser. Well, in a statement, Arlene Fraser's family said, today's decision by the Supreme Court is bitterly disappointing. We accept today's decision. However, we fully support the Crown's intention to seek authority to bring fresh proceedings against Nat Fraser for Arlene's murder. So now we begin a second trial. In 2012, Fraser went on trial again in the High Court in Edinburgh before Judge Lord Brackadale with advocate deputy Alex Prentice. It's Brackadale. He was in Suzanne Pillies. Was he? Yeah, because I was like, how do I pronounce that? And I've yeah. got a mention of Suzanne Pilly coming up, actually. Oh, these how bizarre. Are like, who knew? So on the 30th of May 2012, he was again found guilty by a majority verdict of Arlene's murder and sentenced to a minimum 17 years imprisonment. At this case again, so in 2012, Hector Dick comes forward again and gives the same evidence against Fraser. Um, so his defence said that the case was blighted by hindsight and assumption and argued much of the Crown's evidence was unreliable, which I'm not, I wasn't there, but like we still have like no evidence. We still don't have a body. And I understand what he's saying that the case is blighted by hindsight and assumption because this has been going on for like 14 years at this point. So mm-hmm. everyone's got an opinion. It's not like they're hearing it for the first time. And, you know, everyone on the, like, you know, when you've got a murder case that you don't know much about and you're then sat on the jury, you don't know anything about this, whereas the jury's going to know everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. during during cross-examination, um, the defence suggested that Dick had been responsible for the murder of Arlene Fraser, which obviously he completely denied this. Um. So following the verdict, Lord Brackadale told Fraser, the evidence indicated that at some point you arranged for someone to kill your wife, Arlene, and dispose of her body. Thus, you instigated in cold blood the premeditated murder of your wife and mother of your children, then aged 10 and 5 years. The murder and disposal of the body must have been carried out with ruthless efficiency, for there is not a trace of Arlene Fraser from that day to this and her bereft family continue to live with no satisfactory knowledge of what happened to her remains so Fraser and I see his supporters but I'll go on to that in a minute basically maintain that he is the victim of miscarriage of justice and he didn't murder his wife and he is still in prison to this day really? Um, yeah yeah but he then applied for appeal again in 2013 and shock it was refused um Arlene's family, this is where I'm going to mention Suzanne Pilly. I've got two things to mention. So um, Arlene's family basically are backing this. So do you know Suzanne's Law? Have you heard about this? No. So this is so interesting. So this was the start of the year, this year. Should have mentioned that. In, in I know, we should have actually mentioned Suzanne Pilly, but never guys. mind. So Sorry. basically, government, Scottish government are planning to introduce what is called Suzanne's Law a proposal that parole be denied to prisoners convicted of murder who failed to disclose the location of a victim's body. Oh. Which I think is brilliant. I think that's great because it's like, you know, the Wests and all that. Yeah, but it was like, 
yeah it was like kind of last year and it started like more like this year as well they looked into it but then obviously covid so i don't actually know i'll need to do some more research into that but yeah that's what her family want although a shocker his daughter natalie is one of the main believers that think he's innocent oh really she thinks that well she was the one that was five right when so the brother jamie was 10 so i can't find anything on him i've got his name and his age and um, well I he was 10 on social media <laughs> ask him stop don't, don't make don't us sound weird that. um but obviously do you know the kids are five and ten so natalie is about my age and what her brother will be 30 now mm-hmm. but um yeah basically she believes that he's innocent and she thinks wow. it's a complete miscarriage of justice and basically thinks that he didn't do it which I think is quite a big one because obviously there has been no sightings of Ireland Fraser. There has been nothing. Mm-hmm. We and she was five at the time, you know. Yeah, like... exactly. Do you know? Um, but yeah, like reading some of the news article was so interesting, and like her family have said they are happy with Nat Fraser being released from jail if they just tell them where the body is. Um, I get but... that. Like, it's a good thing. Like, obviously that law, the Suzanne law, and their mm-hmm. family being like, yeah, you can let them out of prison. It's fine. Yeah. Just tell us where the body is. But yeah. at the same time, there's always that thing because there's so little evidence. Like, mm-hmm. what if he never gets out of jail because he doesn't actually know where the body is? But I actually read into Nat Fraser a bit more because one thing I could actually find was a lot of information about him in prison so he's in the prison in Addywell and he's 60 now oh, but really? apparently in jail like he's the father figure of the jail and um and basically one like somebody said that several times after visits mums say Nat had helped their sons by t- talking and listening to them he's taught people how to play the guitar and a lot of mums are grateful for the way he treated their sons while in prison. Wow. So yeah, like he's that... in uh he's in yes, he's in the what's it, HMP Addywell, which is in West Lothian. And then her family now live in I think it's like Bonnie Rick, I wanna say they're in like Mid Lothian. Okay. Like I that sounds great that he's like that in prison, but then you have to kind of look back to who he used to be. Like he stranded mm-hmm. his wife his wife within an inch of her life. And who mm-hmm. knows, like, maybe he was not the best I feel that must be a big or... bit of evidence in the court. Like, the fact that he was getting done for attempted murder and then she disappears. I'm like, hmm. Yes. But I think it's mad because there's just nothing. Like, there has never been any new evidence about her. Like, she just completely disappeared. So if something did happen to her, wherever her body is, like, they have picked a good hiding place. Because there have never been any sightings, there hasn't been any new evidence, there has been nothing since 1998. But that's all I have to say on this one. Um, I feel like I didn't have as much information as I do, or as we do, and a lot of others. So if anyone has any information regarding this that we have missed, like please let us know and we can post it on our Instagram or put it at the start of our next podcast because 
I could be totally wrong and missing stuff, but I think, I don't know if it's worse that I've missed stuff or the fact that I haven't missed anything. There's just nothing about this case. 